Welcome to Reformed Rakes, a flexible historical romance podcast with one good angle. My name is Chels. I'm the writer of the romance substack The Loose Cravat, a book collector, and a book talker under the username Chels underscore ebooks. If you're not a historical romance novel fan and have somehow stumbled onto this podcast, a clinch is what we call the type of romance book cover where the couple is engaged in a heated embrace. This style was popularized in the 1970s with bodice rippers, and although it's fallen somewhat out of fashion in the contemporary romance space, clinch covers are still utilized in new historical romance releases. We're currently living in an interesting and fraught time for artists, where the value of their labor is called into question, which is why I think now, more than ever, is a perfect time to peel back the curtain. What goes into the making of a clinch cover? Today, I have a very special episode for you, an interview with Sharon Spiak, a retired romance cover illustrator who created garments for her own work, making for a seamless transition into costuming and styling romance cover photo shoots, and Shirley Green, a photographer who shot many of your favorite book covers from the last few decades in her New York studio. Please join us for this very informative and fun discussion about their work and find out answers to questions like, how long is a photo shoot? How do you get an amazing shot if a model is nervous or inexperienced? How the nature of the work has changed since everything went digital? And why Georgian historical romance covers are not as sexy as they seem? You can find excerpts from this interview, as well as accompanying imagery, at thelousecravat.substack.com, which will be linked in the show notes. So let's get started with some background. This is Sharon Spiak. Oh, my mother was a seamstress, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've always sewn. Yeah. But then um, then I did go to FIT, which is the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York mm-hmm. City. And I have a degree from the Fashion Institute. So I was going to go into costume, but um, the romance thing happened first. So. Oh, gotcha. So it was kind of a, and, a circle And back. then, you know, with my interest in costumes, then I started to make costumes for my work. Yeah, and you were introduced to uh, Pino Daini in, uh, yes. was it 1980? Yes, it was. And that's, um, and you were his apprentice for a year. I'm going to say apprentice, yes, I did everything. I went, <clears throat> I got costumes for the shoots. I went to all the shoots. I went to all the meetings with the art directors because his English wasn't so good. And in fact, back then it was terrible. It got better as as the years went on, of course. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a great apprenticeship because it just really immersed me into the publishing world. Yeah, and he he worked pretty rapidly. What was it like working? Yeah, he was with very him? fast. I'm not. <laughs> uh, he painted differently than I do. He painted uh, on board, more watercolor like watercolor, but it was but it was more of a loose, washy kind of painting. Shirley, I saw that you were educated in children's psychology. How did you get into photography? Well, it was sort of like an experiment that I did with the kids that I was working with where they just were in a really bad space. And I decided that maybe through my professor, if we could give them little throwaway cameras and they could take images that they would see in their everyday life, if something was interesting or nice or caught their attention, we would review it within a month. And we did. And uh, 
so it progressed from there and then we ended up renting dark rooms and watching them in the dark room developing their images and seeing their faces and getting excited and enthusiastic about stuff I realized right then and there I was doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. and so I transferred I went to NYU I studied studying film and then I worked as an assistant for two photographers one of them was actually a very well famous well-known artist himself called Franco Acornero and um, so I worked with them for a while and then I ended up running the studio and then I guess like the early the what the early 2000s it went digital and um, they didn't want to really do the change from print and slide to digital so I bought the business and started running it on my own and I started working with her as a stylist yeah, so we've been, yeah, we've worked together for over 30 I mean, years. I didn't want to go digital either. <laughs> <laughs> when I was I was 25, I was young. So for me, the, the whole concept of trying to change into a new format was the only way that I was actually going to stay in business. So, yeah. But the child psychology, I think, has definitely given me an upper hand in the direction of the models for the shoot. For example, I, I listened to your podcast with regards to the um, the pirate shoot where it looks like they're actually doing it on the rock with, um, so that was Nathan and Suzanne. That was a shoot. That was one of the last shoots that we did that was uh, Edith Layton's. And she, um, obviously we would get some kind of detail from the art director and then Shara and I would get together. I would choose models that I thought would be appropriate, especially if it's, if it's a really, really raunchy shoot, you don't want somebody who's a newbie because it's going to be a disaster. So oh, yeah. you need to get models that are very, yeah, and they're comfortable <laughs> and they know each other. And so that's where the psychology aspect of it came in for me that I was able to actually work with the models. You have an hour to do a shoot. Mm-hmm. So you literally by the time Shara would get them dressed, get the hair and the makeup done, and then literally have them in front of my camera ready to shoot sometimes it would have what 40 minutes if we were lucky lucky, to pull off magic and then and then we would be shooting right after the other I mean we could have six seven book covers in one day so Sharon and I became a very highly polished efficient team (laughs) so one hour is not a lot of time for all that work it's not nearly enough but you know we make it work (laughs) <laughs> every once in a while if we had a big author a big budget then you would get two hours but if it was just your mass market your paperback you got an hour if it was a hardback then you would get a little bit extra well I remember when I was painting and I was doing vo- the um, photo shoots if it was a wraparound book cover That's and true. you had another scene on the back Yep, that's yeah. true. And they'd give us an hour and a half. We never got two hours, even back then. Yeah, we would get an hour and a half or two hour and hours. a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And do they tell you if you do? Are you doing a, a front cover and the step oh, back too? Yeah. Does that yeah, thing? You're make? always aware of what 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 you what it's going to be. Well, because mm-hmm. your front cover would be the couple in an embrace, mm-hmm. normally fully dressed. And then you would open the inside. Gets racier. And it was like, oh, they have no clothes on. Wow. Oh, it's a paint scene. And then all of a sudden, it's so it's a completely different. Her hair is down and it would be a very different shot, you know? So yeah, it was a lot, but we did it. You mentioned earlier that um, you had to kind of pick the more experienced models for 
for the kind of the more intimate ones, um, did, did they get kind of shy if they weren't, or just maybe not as comfortable? Yeah, we've had some trouble with that. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, it could have been, it was, well, some people are more modest than others. Let's put it that way. And, and some don't mind taking their clothes off in front of you. So it's, <laughs> It's, it's weird. It depends on the person. I mean, the thing that was interesting as well for me was, A, I was from Scotland. So a lot of the covers I, were, I was doing were would be the Highlander and something or the Highlander. And, and it was like, so, and then bringing the part of the psychology into creating a safe space, especially for the female models that were coming in. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the time, they might have nothing on, they'd be topless, and but they'd be in an embrace with a guy. So you would see her from the back. So yeah. her whole back would be exposed. So there would be no bra straps or anything. And I was the only, well, there was Adi Passens, I think was the only other female photographer, but it was all guys that was shooting. She was the only. Uh, that was it. And then it became Michael Frost, right? right. So the one thing that I strived in my studio was every female model that walked in the door had to feel safe mm -hmm. so they had to feel safe with the guy they had to feel safe with the team um and that was one thing that I was like really protective of and especially if it was a new girl that was doing a book cover then I always made sure that I picked a specific male model that I knew was going to be very sensitive to the situation so yeah there was a lot of give and take with a new person but if it was a new girl and a new guy oh my god it was a disaster oh my god so and and nine oh, yeah. times out of ten I would have complete control in who I wanted to shoot but there were other times when we didn't and I'm like okay well it's going to be what it's going to be and yeah. Sharon and I would be trying to get the girl to open up and loosen up and <laughs> yes because if you got a, a young girl who'd never really done a, a steaming romance before mm -hmm. Uh, it, it can be awkward. Yeah. And it shows in the picture. Yeah. And then the art director would say, oh, she doesn't look like she's into it. And I'm like, she's not. <laughs> no, no. It's not really the vibe that you want for a romance novel. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's ready to vote. And uh, she's not giving to this guy. One. She doesn't really like this guy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But on the on the other hand, when there's a chemistry between two people, then it's always good. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I can I can that's definitely the, that's the magic. That's when we would get those extraordinary, extra, they were amazing. Like you, you felt at the end of the day that you just made a wee bit of magic, and you're like, yeah, you'd go into Barnes and Noble to the New York Times bestseller list, and it would be, oh, we did that, 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 and you would be like, oh, I remember that shoot, that shoot, that shoot. And it was great because you actually then got to see the finished result of what was the work that we had done. So it was cool. Yeah, I was I found I think it was from like James Griffin's blog, the a cover for mm -hmm. a Duke of Her Own that I think both of you worked on. I think Shirley, yeah. you did the costume. I'm sure and, I did too. Yeah. And, um, uh, Shirley, you took the I've um, but I was I was just uh, when you're saying models, I did actually recognize that model. I don't know a lot of model names um, uh, from more recent years but uh I think this is Paul Marin I was the first photographer to ever use Paul as a professional model really yes oh my goodness I know that yes, he kind he of came has... into my he came into my uh studio as uh it was a casting 
and he had just signed up with Wilhelmina. So when I was telling you that we would use someone that we felt would would be sensitive, Mm -hmm. Paul. Paul would be. Yeah, I know he's kind of got like um, a little, uh, he's got a fandom, I think, uh, which I guess (laughs) is not that uncommon. (laughs) Right. I I think because he was on the uh, Cressley Cole's like Lothair cover. So his face is everywhere every time people talk about that book, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did you have? He's a nice guy. Very sensitive. Very nice guy. And you know, if we knew we had a new model woman, we'd mm-hmm. always put her with a with someone like Paul. Experience. Oh, that's yeah. that's perfect. Gentle, like a gentle person who would be. I mean, look, and a lot of these covers that you're doing. It's the guys like grabbing her and and so it's kind of like that whole kind of like macho thing going on. And a lot of the girls can get turned off by that, especially yeah. like there's a fine line between the reality of it. There's a lot of the times where it has to look like they're going in for a kiss or they've just had sex on the beach. And obviously there's none of that stuff actually happening in my studio Mm-hmm. But there had to be that sense of that longing or giving into the guy or resisting the guy or whatever it might have been. And Paul was one of those models that we used that he had that ability to know when to pull back. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't go in just for that extra. And there were some guys that did, by the way. And a few of the guys that kind of like crossed the line, they never, I never worked with them again. They never right. got back in my yeah. space because it's kind of like, look, this is not cool so Paul um just a sweetheart and just the girls just really liked him and they would always say oh I really like Paul I liked working with him this is my first shoot thank you for doing that so we're a family we all have to figure out a time and a space where we can all kind of work together for that one hour and everybody walks out my door and they feel like they've just had a good time like I don't want any of the models to walk out and feel like they've just been traumatized Um, and you get a great cover you walk into a store and you see that connection between the 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 guy and the girl you know Sharon does the magic with her wardrobe her dresses and um, sometimes we have extravagant sets where we have to make a bed or she's sitting in a chaise and and uh, and it all has to be done in an hour you know so we need to make sure that the models are going to work well together so there's a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes before you actually see the cover. The first kind of step, like once you're, um, once y'all are hired for a cover, is it, is it start with like you getting the galleys? Is that right? The manuscript and, or is, is that too? That doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't well, happen I anymore. get a synopsis we'll of get a little paper that Oh. Yeah, well, we want this to be an outdoor scene in a garden with a, a castle in the background. Yes. Oh, okay. So well, that I seems like less work. When I was when yeah. I started, I had to get the galleys. I got oh. the galleys. And 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 I had a lot of freedom. We don't have the freedom anymore that we used to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of freedom to create uh, the cover. They would give me the galleys and I would just, just leave it up to me. They might say, oh, it's an outdoor scene. Mm-hmm. Or they might say it's indoors in a bed or, you know, you know what I mean? It, 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 they would give you a few hints and I'd go through the galleys and I'd find a picture of a, a scene, uh-huh. a description of a scene. And I'd try to go for that. 
you know. Was it a lot to look through? Was it like a full, a a full, full book? Gallery. Yeah, hundreds wow. of pages, hundreds of pages. They were sometimes they were three inches thick. Would you skip to like a love scene or would you read the whole thing? I always skip to the love scenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I very quickly flipped through and skipped to the love scenes. <laughs> so actually, Shara and I have something to admit on this podcast with you. Oh, oh please. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a secret, but we're going to tell you first before it gets out there. We actually admitted it this weekend out of the literally thousands of covers that we have shot over a span of 30 years. Mm-hmm. Ask us how many we've read. <laughs> yeah zero (laughs) (laughs) well I'm not a big reader anyway but uh you know when I do it's not going to be romance it's usually Mm. self-improvement or (laughs) yeah how to be a better painter (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so can't say that we've ever read them so but we do models for the cover that then sell the books that then you guys get to read them so you're an integral I mean, part. Yeah. And it's actually, I'm very, I think it's great that you're doing this because we've been behind the scenes on making these covers for so long oh that a lot of the time we essentially give a finished cover to an artist who then it's getting done on Photoshop. Yeah. And uh, paints them anymore. Because it's so photorealistic, if they want someone who's got reddish hair for the girl, nine times out of ten we will get someone who's got reddish hair if they want you know a very specific scene I pretty much shoot the very specific scene so a lot of the times two-thirds of the cover would essentially be the work that Sharon and I put into it so it's good that we're finally getting a little bit of acknowledgement for what goes into the the photo shoot which then goes to the artist Absolutely. They all are like an integral part in setting that up with all of your experience and um, the thought that you put into the photo shoots, the outfits, just everything. Yeah. And then the artist uh, who gets the photos, they have to provide the background stuff, Mm -hmm. where it is, the location, you know, and all that. I mean, it used to be when we first started doing this, there would be like a whole team in the studio it would be the art director the editor maybe the publicist sometimes the author and then the artist so there would be an additional four or five people in the studio for the shoot and then me my assistant and Sharon and so it was a lot of people involved for a one-hour shoot so it could get a little noisy it could get a little chaotic because there was a lot of people you would think that they would come to the studio and have a plan of what was going to happen or what would be the synopsis that we would have to recreate. You would think that they would have that. And sometimes they did. And then all of a sudden they would change their mind because then Sharon would come in with a variety of dresses and they would decide that they want to do something really different. And it would set everything all into chaos. And we would have to try and figure out how to make it work. And then there would be a lot of shoots that Sharon and I did where it was just her and I in the models. And they actually were the best shoots because yeah, we had complete <laughs> freedom to create the shoots that we wanted to do. The models would end up, they would get in sync with each other. It wasn't so messy. Yeah. And um, and then towards the end, I think they realized that there was they really didn't need to be at the studio. Like they were actually, it wasn't necessary. 
that Shara and I actually could do it. So then the pandemic, obviously, where nobody was coming into the studio and it would be a Zoom with the art director and the editor and the artist. But I would say for a majority of the covers that we did for a very long time, it was Sharon and I. Yeah. We did the, we we essentially did the cover. They would send us a sketch. We actually have more experience than yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> so they would send us a sketch and then they would say, use your own creative liberty to do. And then I would set it up. I would do what they wanted and I would tell them, I don't like it, doesn't work. Their bodies don't feel right. This is what I'm going to do. And I think it's going to be better. And that's what ended up happening. So like that cover, for example, where Nathan's basically got Suzanne, it looks like they're on a rock. I mean, how how uncomfortable Not must that be? Not a very comfortable place. Um, <laughs> you know, but that what, the pirate who loved me. So, um, and then her hair up, her hair down, his shirt on, his shirt off, like, you know, her leg open enough so that he could come in between her. Like all of this stuff was happening um, and then J Derek James, who was the artist on that, he wasn't at the shoot for that. It was just Sharon and I. We did that cover. But then you put Nathan and Suzanne in a shoot together. No offense, seriously, they could do an Amish shoot, and we would have to separate them. Like they just <laughs> had such intense chemistry that it was always a really sexy shot. Always. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's it's gorgeous. Um, and so you did this in a studio. So like, was it kind of like angling them to make it look like they were leaning on rocks? Yeah, we had to build, like we would have props that we would build for her to sit on. And then, and these were the types of models that you would use someone who was experienced because she had to arch her back. You know, she was bringing Nathan into her chest, things like that. Yeah, we would, we would uh, build something that assimilated, you know, a, ro a rock or a a hill or a you know and then position her so that her leg would be higher and then she would arch her back and we'd make it yep there you go she was sitting on a box and he was right between her legs she's on her toes her legs behind her she's bending her back it's uh yeah I don't think it's suppose that you could hold for a long time you're you would probably start to kind of spasm and stuff but again that's when you use an experienced model like Suzanne. She had to make that shot work. Nathan, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get into trouble for saying this, Sharon, correct me if I'm really screwing up here. But a lot of the times the guy is just a really good, bulky, big muscles, great back, uh, nice bum and a pair of tight black trousers. and But the girl, she's the one that has to ooze all the sensuality. She's the one that has to almost look like she's having an orgasm, you know, mouth slightly open, eyes closed. Like a lot of the times they would actually say, you need to look like you've just had an orgasm. Where <laughs> So she had to sort of have all these emotions on her face. Nathan is just Nathan. Nathan's hot and sexy. He's a good looking guy. He's got a great body. He doesn't have to do that much. Take his shirt off. The guy's got a great body. But Suzanne, she was the one that had to do a lot of the work for that shoot. Because he, Nathan primarily, if you think about that shoot, you're just seeing him slightly profile mm -hmm. in his back. Yeah. And it's her. She's the one that looks like she's sitting on a rock 
and she's just by take she's just been taken by this prince and she was uncomfortable but it worked because it gave her that sense of urgency and you know her head being tilted back and the sort of slight you know Sharon would always go up and say you need to arch your back you need to arch your back and so then she would go up to the female models and she would kind of like put her hand on their back and bend them in position and then he would just go straight in because it was like a timing you only had a minute or two and then obviously she would have to straighten her back back up again because it would be uncomfortable and I would always have to readjust the the skirts and the yeah. The, the necklines of everything and make sure that everything was looking right. Yeah, we have to see enough leg. So you have to left, lift the dress up and how much leg did you show? And sometimes it was too much leg. And then Sharon would have to pad it all on the inside so it didn't look like she was wearing like a big diaper. Yeah. I mean, there was so much stuff with it. <laughs> you know, oh, wow, she looks like she's pregnant. We can't have that. We need to flatten. Especially yeah. in the regions yeah. dresses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the empire waist. Yes. Yeah. And especially if you're sitting in a Regency dress because yeah. of the Empire, it's right under the bust line. Right. You know, Sharon would be like padding it and making it flat. And oh my God, it was too funny. Oh, that's so funny. Cause I was, um, there's actually, um, a lecture from you, Sharon, that's on, um, YouTube. And uh, during the lecture, you're like showing like some photos and of like, uh, Fabio and another model who I'm, I'm not familiar with. Um, and then someone in the, oh, was, audience... it from the was it in the library? Yes. Yeah. I believe that's so. Yeah. Uh, it's somebody said something like exactly the same layer. Like he doesn't look like he's doing any work. And then you were like, he, they never do. <laughs> Fabio never, I I never did the, much work except when he was carrying the girl. The girl always did the work. Yeah. Always. Uh-huh. Unless, he, like I said, he was picking her up and carrying her, which I have several that I've used him for for that. He's, he's, he's <laughs> good at hoisting. <laughs> I have a few issues of the Romantic Times from yes, 1983. And there is um, a Mr. Romance paperback cover model pageant that you yes, were judging. Yes, I judge in many of them. <laughs> and you also provided the costume. So you were kind of like yes. double duty on that. I was always double duty, yeah. <laughs> how often did that happen? Or how many times did you do? Every year. Every there was year. one every year, once a year, a big convention. They don't do them anymore. They're, it just doesn't happen anymore like that, like yeah. like to do. I mean, it was huge. We we did amazing stuff. I mean, there was always the cover model pageant for the guys, mm-hmm. and and then there was there were tons of events. They were fun. I loved the conventions. Yeah, yeah you even she she actually did a trip to Scotland. I did I saw that you mentioned cruise somewhere? I don't know if that was a cruise yeah, or was we that did was cruises. A cruise? Yeah, we did cruises too. But you know, <laughs> Scotland. I mean, I would say. Oh, a good third of my covers. It's a castle in the background. It's the Highlands. It's a guy in a kilt. It's, you know, it's kind of like your outlander. I think it used to be, um, there's more Regency now. But the historicals that I did, I never did a Regency, by the way. I never painted it. Really? Never. No. Um, I did all the, the real historical romances, a lot of medieval western it looks like you've got and i did a lot of western yes but uh they were they had the bigger budgets those 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 historicals they really did 
Yeah. Well, I think the new Gen Z is making a comeback also because of Bridgerton as well. Right. There's like a popularity yeah. about that. Yes. I find it fascinating that young women are into the original paintings as well. Like that's one thing we learned from Susie the other day from Smart Bitches. Do you know Susie? I don't think I've ever met Susie. I've talked to Sarah from Smart Bitches. Well, that, this is the first time I met her was just the other day at a gallery opening. And this okay. is um, Edith's daughter? Edith yeah. daughter? Yes. And and she said that um there's a, a big group of younger women that are into the old ones. I can attest to that. The old they're uh in, on Instagram, they're really popular. People love to repost the covers. They're like hashtags like um cover lust Friday and step back Saturday, and then everybody well, posts part of that. Oh yeah, they'd love to. They'd love to have you. I'm sure it's. Um, I did hundreds of them. I see both of y'all's work on there all the time. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I think there's kind of a big uh, craving for more um, clinch covers, more like people in covers. I think though, um, some people and not like cartoon characters. Yeah, because a lot because a lot of publishers have kind of uh, moved towards doing that because a few yeah. a few books had like really big. Eight those ca cartoon character covers. They're not my favorite. We want real. We want something that you can touch. You know, they used to um, bump up the covers, to literally bump them up so that they had dimension. Oh, oh, oh embossed, like the embossed. Yeah, you know, muscles. I used to get letters from readers saying, "Oh, I can feel his muscles." <laughs> <laughs> they like that. Those covers cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they just kind of don't, they don't budget for that anymore. And they're a lot more are in house. I think kind of something that we, um, you were mentioning earlier, I've, I've kind of seen this year come up a lot as like 2000 is kind of like where they said like the hard shift was kind of to digital. I know that a lot of folks that like didn't have any interest in working digitally, like retired yep. that year. Um, we're all old. <laughs> Was there like a, a somebody ever like say like hey we're not doing this anymore or was it just no, kind of like a gradual? That was a gradual change. No, because um, when I first started working, it was you had a two choices of how you wanted to do your shoot. It was either slides and it could be thirty five millimeter or two and a quarter. So it was either I would shoot with my Hasselblad, so that would give you like a two and a quarter, or it would be thirty five millimeter or black and white and then if it was black and white which was which was if you think about the stuff that Sharon painted so you would do a black and white shoot and I would then go into the dark room sometimes I'd be doing seven eight shoots a day black and white I would then go into the dark room have to develop the film make a contact sheet give that to the client FedEx it <laughs> that would be like maybe two days then yeah. they would get the contact sheet then they would call me with the images that they wanted so it'd be what we would call a jumbo it'd be an eight by ten close-up of both the faces of the models again obviously black and white and then we would do an 11 by 14 which would be full frame of the models now because it was shot in black and white and they would get black and white images that was in a day when the illustrator really did the illustration it could be the models would look nothing like the pictures that I took, nothing. They had complete, like the guy could have 
blonde hair, but he would end up with dark hair or or a ponytail or the girl could have dark hair and it would end up being beautiful raven or red hair because it was a black and white. And then with the digital, it it changed everything. We had no choice because the art directors basically demanded it. Yeah, they didn't have the imagination that the artists have. Yeah, but it also what it did was when everything went digital, the artists themselves had to learn how to do Photoshop. Okay, so from when I did the shoot to when the artists would theoretically get the images that they could then start painting could sometimes take a week, five days. Digital, I would have the images to them by the end of the day on on WeTransfer or and then everything would be sent on a DVD the next day. So there was it was much more efficient to shoot digital. You were getting the images much faster. Everything was faster. Um, the artists could, you know, be coming from Philadelphia and be looking at the images on the train going back home. But what it did was it changed the whole format in the sense that everything then became super specific. Yeah. If we needed someone who had blonde hair, we had to get someone who had blonde hair. So it it made it more efficient, but it also created other problems as well. I missed it, the idea of being in my dark room. I missed the idea of having that where you felt like you were actually more of a photographer. It was like, this is what I was creating. But I do, I find shooting digital, I shoot using the capture software. So every time I take a picture, it automatically shows up in my computer. So if I want to go back, I'll say to the models, can you come and look at this? And we can maybe sit and scan like 30 shots and I can tell them where maybe I'm not feeling it. And I'll say, look, can you see this shot here? Can you see what's going on? And they're like, oh yeah, I get it. I, yeah, I can see it. So I think that's helped like a lot of the inexperienced models when they actually get to see themselves on the computer they can tell themselves that it's not working out. And then Sharon's like, you know, you have to tilt your head this way. You're, you're tilting your head that way. You know, you need to bring your shoulder back so you can open up your chest to the camera. So in that aspect, the digital was able, it was a great format to teach. It's a good tool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't mind it, actually. I'm yeah. cool with it. So I just never wanted to uh, learn it. <laughs> <laughs> But we didn't have a choice. I mean, your question, we didn't, it wasn't like we could be, I, I, no way I'm sticking to the old school way of doing things. You would have been out of business yeah. and you wouldn't have had any, no, yeah, no illustrator would have, would, was no going to work, work with you. With you yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And of course I wasn't painting anymore. So for me, it was great. Now I paint pet portraits and people portraits. <laughs> We're going in on Wednesday to do another historical regency uh, for Kensington. And um, we're, the girl that I'm using, Cass, it, I've used Cass since she was a teenager, Cassie. And so a lot of the models, I get to see all the different, you know, I got to see her as a high school student. And then, you know, now she's married. And so we have this familiar relationships with a lot of the models that we work with. So it's kind of like going back to revisit. And then you see the the kind of metamorphosis of Cassie when, I used to shoot a lot of the young adult stuff for for Scholastic and now she's moved on and now she's doing the sexy clinches for the Regency. So it's, you know, it's, I like it. Like we grow up together. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's really great. Like a long-term partnership. Cause like with, 
with her and then also uh, with both of you together, like, because you've worked together for so long, it's kind of like this, like tightly oiled machine. Like, you know, uh, how, how you work well. Uh, Shara and I can have like a major bitching session. (laughs) We can be like fighting like an old couple and and, like, what do you mean? I need this. What's going on? Shara. And then boom, the shit starts and it's like, okay, time to get it together. And then we produce the magic, we get the shot and it's done. And it's like, okay, time to go get a cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) And we've done our job. And then we walk away and we pass it on to the next person and then they get to do their job and on and on and on it goes. And, And then you see the finished product. James was always brilliant, James Griffin, because I have pretty much every finished cover that I ever did with him. So I would then pass it on to the agency so that the models themselves could, um, you know, keep it for themselves or give it to their mom or their grandparents. Or one of the guys that we know, he would buy them every year and give them to his grandmother for his for her Christmas. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and there were lots, by the way. And a lot of them, he was partially dressed and... But she loved it. She loved to get all the covers of her grandson and all the book covers. She's got an entire bookcase. <laughs> yeah. I would absolutely do that if I was on the cover or if someone I knew was on the cover, I would be like, here's yeah. my portfolio of you. <laughs> so do you, know who, um, do you know who Emmanuel Fremen is? He's a French model, longish hair, very sexy. Um, I, the name isn't familiar. But do you know like a cover that he's been on? I can get you one of the really sexy covers that we did where he was in a bathtub with Eva. With Eva. Remember you did that one? <laughs> and um, that was hot actually. But I can remember <laughs> leaving with Emmanuel because he's actually a really good friend of mine. And he got stalked in Union Square in New York City by these like groupies who basically had like an entire fan page just for his covers. Like they knew who he was and they started showing him all the the different links that they have for all his covers. And he was just absolutely petrified. (laughs) And he was like, oh my God, this is so bizarre. (laughs) And they had like every cover that we've ever shot with Emmanuel for years. Like they just, he was like their Fabio and he had no idea that they were actually creating this entire website just of all his covers. <laughs> it was hysterical. Yeah. It's like, if he's not doing like conventions like they were in the 90s, then he probably was just like, where is this coming from? Yeah, right. <laughs> he had no clue. They were just fascinated by him. And he had the longer blonde hair. And um, Emmanuel was French. He just had to open his mouth and talk and the girls swooned, remember? Yeah. <laughs> he was gorgeous yeah but um I did a lot of Fabio's yeah I have yeah I have a few of yours and I saw on your website too yeah oh it's like the hawk and the dove I think this Virginia Henley I've got that one that's a good one here's one that's a Fabio can you see it is that desert dreams oh that's oh that dress is beautiful I made that dress yeah I was gonna ask that's it wasn't It wasn't green. What color was it? That's kind of a mauve color. Oh wow! And is this a this is a western? This is a western. Yes. By Desert Dreams by yeah. Virginia Brown. Yeah. Oh, that's that's gorgeous. So, what type of uh, what type of historical is your favorite to do? 
Like I know Regencies are super popular now. I like, but like I like the um I like the medieval. medieval. I like the western. Western's fun. Yeah. Very few westerns nowadays mm -hmm. are a clinch. Right. It's more just the guy. Cowboy, cowboy. Yeah. Cowboy, cowboy. That's um, it. But I, I also like the the Georgian. Yeah, era. the Georgian. I like was the Georgian more. era. I've made a lot of dresses of the Georgian era. Very extravagant. Yeah, they're yeah, they're much fancier. I like the Georgian for the women's costumes. I didn't like so much for the men. Uh, a little fussy. A little fussy. <laughs> yeah, they uh, would usually just have their shirt off anyway, right? Or it's yeah, like, it's sometimes they wanted the little shoes with the buckles oh, and yeah. the, oh, the buckles, the thicker blockers <laughs> and the long socks. And but I'm the... so guys don't just look sexy in them. No boots. It would cover up the feet though. <laughs> yes, but I just didn't touch them. So. Um, <laughs> I would actually have to say, I think my favorite is, uh, I would say Regency, actually. Regency. Yeah, because you're, there's just something so simple and elegant. And when you get like a really good model, it just is, you feel like you've just shot a little bit of magic, especially if you have, it's more of a beauty shot for me with the girl. It's just, you know, you, I, I have like a specific lighting that I would use for the girl. And I just, uh, I mean, I do everything from everything. I mean, I shoot paranormal, sci-fi, Western, historical, kilts, Scots, action. You know, I did all the Jason Bourne. I did a lot of James Patterson. Um, I've done all the vampires, you name it. I've done lesbian vampires. I've done, oh, we did a lesbian romance regency. That was a new one. We did that last year, uh, which was two girls that I had to use for that. And um, I actually knew them and I had them come in and they're gay and they were completely happy to do it. We also, the Amish. The Amish. Oh, we do the Amish ones. Yeah, they're, they're a trip. Have um, you seen the Amish romances? Yeah. There is no such thing as an Amish romance. They don't exist. <laughs> they don't. They don't procreate. They just well, they, 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 they hold hands. They, they were, well, they're, they're usually yeah. just girl. Yeah, sometimes yeah. a guy in a boat, a, a guy. No, they're just basically girls. Yeah, basically girls. it's just like her like side profile, right? Isn't that normally how? No, she could be in front holding a basket of cookies or having a little book and. Um, and they have a spit. We had like an Amish editor who specialized in different wardrobe that the Amish women would wear because a lot of people would complain about how it wasn't an authentic. Outfit. Oh, and they're so picky oh. about that. Yeah. Okay, so here's where the Regency <laughs> took a detour for us, by the way. And I'm going to bring this in just to show you how observant the fan base is of the Regency covers. I could be doing. 20 book covers in a week mm -hmm. and there's other photographers who could be just equally as busy there could be one author that was working with kensington who might also have been working with grand central publishing and we had to be in discussion that the same dress would not end up being on the same cover yeah in the same month <laughs> because the fan base would then tell them she the author that model it's a different model but you guys used that exact same dress in the last book that she they were that <laughs> crazy that they could tell us oh she wore the same dress in the last book and I'm like how are we supposed to know this stuff we, yeah, don't, we don't we don't see the covers and we don't read the books yeah 
But the fans were so incensed. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to change the dress. You need to change the dress. <laughs> so we then had to be aware because of the fan base that the dresses had to change. That's a true story. What I would always tell the uh, the the artist, don't make it the same color as it is. Yeah, change the color. Change the color, do a little different. Oh, but know? then Margie came and said, oh, she was wearing the same oh, yeah, jewelry. <laughs> oh, you can't put that jewelry on her because I read the last book. We're like, oh my God, <laughs> like we need to have our own research team. Because the fans were actually calling in and saying, no, the last cover, it was the same dress. You can't do it. Like, they <laughs> got pissed off. Like, I've seen before, like, uh, maybe like Goodreads list of like, there might be a dress that comes up a lot. And so people will like be like, this book has this dress, this book. But I didn't know people were actually <laughs> upset about it. Like, I thought it That's... was just like a fun Easter egg. <laughs> no, no, they would be they would be making comments and sending in emails to the editor. The editors would tell us they'd say, "Can you make sure that you don't use the same dress that you used on the last book cover?" And I said, "But I don't know what the last book cover looked like. I didn't see the finished result. <laughs> yes. He might have changed the color of the dress." Yeah. And so that's why Sharon would always end up bringing in like maybe like five or six dresses so that we could compare. Oh yeah, they. They they wanted their money's worth. They wanted a different model and a different dress and to bring out all the different, you know, she shouldn't be wearing uh, pearls. It should be maybe a red dime, a, a red uh, uh, ruby or maybe some emeralds. sapphires or emeralds. And we were like, wow. It's, so it seems like the like the prep work got much better bigger just because yeah. like you had to be so specific you had to like have things select you had to have all these extra things in mind whereas before you were able to be kind of like flexible and it was like yeah. this isn't finished I can change this whenever yes well, another thing is when you they, when they were doing painted covers every artist has their own style yeah mm -hmm. and their own way of painting fabric or jewels or whatever you know so it always looked different back in the day yeah I mean I would essentially have maybe like a lot of freedom when it came to how I wanted to light that they would say whatever you think is the best lighting we'll 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 work our sketch around that so I would have certain freedom creativity with that in terms of how to light it but then there would be sometimes where they'd be very specific and they're like oh it's going to be shot inside very moody lighting, maybe, firelight, yeah, firelight, fireplace light, yeah. or so, or candlelight yeah. or lamp light. So there's a moon outside, so maybe the lighting could be a little on the cooler side if it's the moon, or if it's a fireplace sunset. Light, it could be warmer lighting, so maybe use a gel, you know, stuff like that. So that's where when we started shooting digital, things became a little bit more specific. So do you have any like memories of a shoot that was just like? A disaster oh my god you can't ask us that okay <laughs> move on yes, i can yes, we can and, i can sometimes you have to reshoot yes you have to reshoot yes oh yeah. wow that's well that and we like do we have had um i'm not going to mention names that's no. the only right. yes, thing i have to make this as a to protect the people involved <laughs> is that you might get a guy who would probably get a little too excited. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. 
and we had to and many romances started in the studio oh people have gotten <laughs> married and had kids oh my goodness yes i mean i have a lot of people that that met got together got married had kids oh quite a few actually yeah yeah wow. so but yeah we had we've had some where you know the guy's gotten a little you know carried away with himself and we've had to calm him down a little bit and yeah uh we did a photo shoot for john stewart for his book and i had to shoot full frontal male nudity that was interesting you did oh yeah. wow for john stewart yeah you weren't there for that his, uh, <laughs> it was... i think it was his book uh, america or something like that and it was an alien's interpretation of what life is like in uh on earth oh. and um so the old man there was an old man and a young man and we had a really hard time finding someone who was willing to do it there was a chunk oh. of change but so the old guy that we got was um awesome it was amazing he was in sex in the city he's this old character jewish guy and his wife brought him to the studio my studio was in union square and he come i have my assistant the whole team's there john stewart's uh art director is there it's a big production it's a whole day shoot and this old man <laughs> showed up at my studio in a pair of odd boots and a bathrobe oh. <laughs> And he came out of his car. Oh my and, God, you had to take pictures. And he, nope. and he, he just, I just, I'm standing there and he looks like Papa Smurf. And he said to me, oh, you'll be so proud of me. I, I've got my Uggs in my bathrobe and he stands there right in front of me and he opens up his bathroom oh. and he says, look, no lines. And I was like, oh, okay. And he, <laughs> completely closes his bathrobe and walks in the door and I go to my assistant and I'm like he is not gonna have a problem dropping that bathrobe and standing nope. in front of the camera I think I'm going to have a bigger problem yeah exactly than, than he does uh and so I was, hello I was a, I would say maybe I was a little out of my element that day yeah yeah and then of course we had John Stewart on speakerphone and he was directing us and it I think the end the the finished result was the famous nighttime host who always wore suspenders what was his name Larry King Larry King so the the, the it's Larry King's face that's on both of the bodies so you don't see their faces oh my god so that's kind of how what it looks like in the book I have to say I have the book but um <laughs> So I would say for me that goes up, that's up there as one of the most uncomfortable shoots I've ever done. Um, <laughs> and luckily, fortunately, it only ever happened once. But yeah, we've definitely had our fair share of having to do where we should because we got wrong information or the models didn't really work out or the author hated the models. I mean, we've done oh, that before. No. The author was like, I just don't like these models. I'm not feeling it. And they'd be perfect, but she's like, I don't like them. We're not using them. Oh, so we have to change them. Like, don't like the way that they looked or didn't? Yes. Like, didn't think they matched the characters? Ah, Just didn't like it. She yeah. didn't get a feel for it. Mm -hmm. So we had to, like, pick different models. And Shara and I would be like, we've just went from shooting a really good shoot to now doing something that's not. And then 
and then you would see the finished cover and you're like that's not that great so but the author didn't like it if it was a big author and, and they, they control. had like a lot of power in the publishers they would make those decisions no don't like it change it oh and then they're they get a a book that's probably not going to sell as well because the models don't look like they're having a romance as much. Yeah. Or we just don't like maybe the models themselves weren't really that. I don't know. You know, we had like models that we used that probably about 10 of them, I can tell you would, if I put them on a cover, it could be a, a mediocre story, but having them on the cover instantly sold the book. Mm-hmm. Because they were just so good at what they did. Like you would walk into Barnes and Noble and you would see them on the cover. And it was just a really hot, sexy pose. One of the models that we used a lot, her name was Eva de Cruz. She's half Norwegian, half Egyptian. So she had the very, very long neck. I used her all the time. And she was used a lot in James Griffin's jobs. Alan Ayers, also another artist. He used Eva de Cruz a lot as well. But I would say one thing that I want to say is that because Sharon and I worked really hard to create a really safe space in the studio for the for the female models, especially, um, a lot of them only ever worked with us. So they didn't go work for other photographers. They didn't work with other studios. They just especially worked just with me. So what was good about that was I knew how many times I had them in my studio. I knew how many times I had shot them. So it was great because if an art director called up and said, oh, we're doing this cover, we need such and such and such and such, then I would be like, you know what? We've used Eva like 10 times this month. We've got to go maybe use Tony or Carly or we haven't used Tony or we haven't used Eva. Like, let's use these models. And these were the, I had like, uh, I would say like a good 10 models that didn't work elsewhere like Molly. So it was easier for me to kind of like have some kind of, um, I guess, control over how many times the model was going to be seen on a cover because the art directors didn't like that either. Like if a model was being used overused too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like you would, especially if it was a New York times author and there, and she wanted her models to be exclusive, which never happens. Right. But then you'd end up seeing those models in like five other book covers. They could get quite pissed off about that. So, yeah, there was a lot of things went into it. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Eva Cruz, I think I know, was she used to be a soap opera star? Yes. I think, okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I was like that name. Yep. And the other names you said, it was Carly... So there was Carly Mutzenegro. She was with Wilhelmina. Tony Busker. Tony was, um, she was in the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, one of the movies. But Tony was one of those girls that she was her action hero. She was a Regency. She did a lot of the Regency stuff that the girl had to be in bed with looking like she was covered by a sheet. Yeah, she didn't have any trouble. She had no problem off. taking her clothes off. None. Some girls all. do, but she didn't. No. Tony would literally stand there in front of you in a pair of stilettos <laughs> and uh, a thong. <laughs> and that was it. And she'd be like, okay, Shirley, what am I doing today? And I'm like, you're getting in bed. She's like, oh, okay, cool. And that would be it. She was great. She was awesome. So you had like your people that you knew that you could rely on and get the best shot. And she could, she worked in a lot of covers with Paul Marin. 
yeah, I mean, her and Paul just work really well together. And you could really push it between the two of them. Like you could really get it. Like if you wanted to simulate, well, it didn't happen very often, but there were times when the Regency going way back, the guy would be laying in bed. So he, he was no shirt. And then the girl would be literally sitting on top of him and all she would be covered with was a satin sheet. Remember them? Oh, Laura yeah. Williams? Yeah. Laura Williams was the pro. She did all of them. She was almost like our female version of a Fabio. And she was sitting completely on top of him <laughs> in the most awkward position. And, um, and I remember the shoot very well because I remember the guy. And he said to me, Shirley, this is the last shoot I'm ever going to do with you. I'm getting married next week. And this is just wrong. Oh, wow. So, and true to his word, that was the very last romance book cover that he shot because it was, she was writing him. It was, and she wasn't. So what was bizarre? <laughs> Do you remember this? She was, Laura was facing us. I was up the ladder and he was laying on the bed having a good time. You can't say it. I'm not telling. Oh, we also had a one where, where he brought his wife to the show. Oh my God. Oh, and oh, that, no. that was a divorce. I him to ever do another one. So they ended up getting a divorce. Oh no. <laughs> she didn't like the shoot. No, oh, she was not happy. No, and I was like, please don't ever bring your wife to a show. Yeah. It's a disaster. They her. can't separate that this is just fantasy. Yeah. And um, and it put the female model in a really awkward it situation. Was awkward for all of us. It was a bad just Oh my oh, goodness. And then she left him. She she left yeah. him. Then she left him. <laughs> I think he's much happier, by the yeah. way. If you were to get him yeah. on your podcast, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a happy. I think camper. he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but that's how real it could get like it was it border sometimes it would borderline on soft porn yeah mm -hmm. yeah right yeah yeah well yeah. it kind of is like what you're what you're kind of describing in like the uh the the environment that you're creating like you're both kind of doing a lot of intimacy coordination like when you're like the way that you're making sure everybody is because it is kind of like like in theory, like sure, I'm taking a picture, but then of course, you know, it's kind of scary. Oh, and music, yeah. sexy yeah. music. Like you uh -huh. imagine you're going on a date or you know, you're having a romantic they dinner. They have to act. Yeah. And yeah. so you know. Yeah, and we've got really kind of sexy music playing, and you're like, oh shit. But we have to get that chemistry. We have to be able yep. to see that there's actual um lust or emotion and we don't have a lot of time it's not like okay we'll take a wrap we'll go have lunch and we'll come back and we'll work yeah. at it it's yeah. like guys we got we'll like some ice minutes. breakers yeah it's like can we like just move it do something and and you know and for me one of the things that I try to work into my shoots whenever I found out if a model was maybe a little uptight or a little awkward or not really comfortable was humor always worked you just would crack a joke or make something really funny or you know, I'm short, I'm 5'4", so I would go into the shoot and pretend to be the model with a guy, which was a disaster. We've also done photo shoots where we've had born-again Christians come in. That was a joke. Oh, um, yeah, that doesn't ever Yeah, born-again Christian who That's said, the booker's fault. Yeah, they well, actually, the booker never knew that she was born. Didn't, yeah. you know, tell her what it yeah. was. I can't mm -hmm. have him touch me. I'm engaged. I have a boyfriend. And 
Oh, and no. so we would have those situations where we would have to try and work around intimacy without oh, her being touched. Get another model. Yeah. Or we call up the agency and say, like, we can't do this. The model forbids anybody to touch her yeah. Yeah. or get close to her. But so, that's yeah. the, the booker's fault for yeah. not yeah. telling them what this shoot was. You know? Yeah. We've had that before, too, yeah. where it's like, what do you do when you do like a regular shit? Well, I, how do you work as a model? Like if you're yeah. a born again Christian and nobody, anyway, so we've had issues like that too. We've had to work around that as well. We could, we, we could write a book yeah. on it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> like Shari and I are trying to figure out how many covers we've worked on together. Oh. Thousands. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. It's thousands. It's, mm. it's, um, just very grateful that I've been doing something as a female photographer in New York for as long as I've been in business and, 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 you know, have had incredible relationships. I've seen, you know, some of my models become moms and have their kids and shoot their kids portraits. And, you know, so I have these relationships outside my studio where a lot of these models have become my friend. And so, yeah, it's and the fact that people still want to shoot with Sharon and I and they still want to work with us and you know so I, I would just say just very grateful for that and um so now what I'm trying to do is just basically create like a very specific stock library of all my images so basically everything from all the young adults like I did Anna Green Gables, Little House on the Prairie, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, you know, all the kids' classics, I shot all of them, the Goosebumps. So it would be, you know, V.C. Andrews, you know, Flowers in the Attic. Like, we did all the reshoots when they were, not not the reshoots, the, when they would bring out, like, a lot of the old covers and modernize them and reintroduce them to the younger generation. I got to shoot them. You know, then we got to shoot a lot of vampire, erotica. That was a different phase when you got to do stuff like that. So, I think because I'm creating this stock library, I'm going to go back and I'm going to find a lot of stuff and I'm going to be like, wow, I remember doing that. That was fun. And I like this. The vampire stuff for Sharon was really cool because it was a lot of fantasy. So that was where Sharon could really go crazy because there was no specific wardrobe. Oh, it would wow. be dossiers and leather and bangles and daggers and belts and crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> Then we did a lot of steampunk stuff, like your Victorian time travel. It's been a journey. It's been really, I'm very grateful. It's been cool, you know, so. And we're still shooting. I don't think there's anybody else left. Yeah, it's true. They've all retired or died. <laughs> That's what I said the other day. I said, well, my, all my contemporaries have either died or, yeah. or, or they're not able to do anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so... <clears throat> And we're still standing. We're still here. Thank you so much to Sharon Spiak and Shirley Green. That was such a fun and informative interview. You can buy an original or a print of Sharon's paintings at SharonSpiakArt.com. And it would be absolutely worth it. They're stunning. Sharon also does portraits of pets and humans alike. So be sure to contact her on her website for more info. Shirley Green can be found at shirleygreenphotography.com, and you can also follow her 13-year-old Pomeranian Rocky, who attends all of the shoots and dresses accordingly, on Instagram. Uh, Rocky's username is at rocky.rockstar. That's rockstar with two R's at the end. 
And thank you for listening to Reformed Rakes. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple and Spotify. You can also subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content at patreon.com slash reformed rakes. We're on both Instagram and Twitter. The username for both is at reformed rakes. We'll see you next time.